fanficmedia.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast. With hosts, Christiana Ellis, Chuch Schubert, Vivid Muse, and Nookchus. Hey, everybody. <laughs> uh, Nettie might not be able to make it, so that was a false statement. But <laughs> <laughs> Those pre-recorded intros will get you every time. Yeah. Was, I was off on my uh, prognostication game. Uh, how are you ladies doing? I'm doing great. It's My, my dog is uh, startled for some reason all of a sudden. Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, I'm. It's exciting to have Game of Thrones back. It feels like it's been forever. It really does. I will agree with that. Oh, and I totally forgot my script. Welcome, everyone, to Beyond the Wall. <laughs> Tonight we're discussing the season seven premiere of Game of Thrones titled Dragonstone, with no spoilers past the currently aired episodes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking yeah. of spoilers, uh, obviously, uh, I you know we remain committed to what you just said. No spoilers beyond the currently aired episode. Um, I have not looked them up, but I am told that there are spoilers for this season making the rounds on the internet. So be careful, Ooh. everyone, if you don't want to be spoiled. I'm told that they're they're around and about. I have not seen them myself, but interesting. You know, and I had a feeling that we might want to talk about um, theories, and mm-hmm. I think we're always clear to talk about our own theories because we're going to say it in a way that you know. Um, mm-hmm. There's some fan theories out there, and I, I don't know, so many torn. I think we could discuss some of that stuff and maybe leave it for the end of the episode because they're not necessarily spoilers, but. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. one of they them could have come from a leaked source. Predictive, <laughs> predictive stuff. Yeah, see, because that was actually the context where I heard that there were spoilers because someone was speculating about Game of Thrones podcasts and so on and saying, how many people are we going to see uh, who who actually know but are going to pretend that they're just guessing so that they can claim uh. to be right later? <laughs> mm. Well, we are not those people. <laughs> no, very rule-abiding. Uh, news bits on the show. Um, one news bit I saw. Well, I guess it's a rumor. <laughs> Talk about rumors. Um, mm-hmm. uh, one that I like is that the next season episodes may be feature length. Ooh. So we'll have like close to two hours per episode, making it pretty much a normal season. Wow. That would be I'm really amazing. That. Yeah. And the marketing, it just sells itself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. At a certain point, though, I feel like that starts to be like, why wouldn't you just have a normal, normal season then? If that's the amount of content, yeah. But I suppose it's all how it's all presentational, right? They want to have each episode be sort of a package. And I wonder if it's it it has to do with marketing and deals and stuff because there was a theater that shown a couple episodes. Uh, last yeah. season or the season before mm-hmm. when we were back east and yeah didn't you see that one in denver somewhere was doing this mm-hmm. season yeah yep so i could see a big tie-in with theaters if you're doing especially feature length episodes <laughs> yeah get a new movie every week i yeah. mean 
they kind of they they stretch the length of these episodes from time to time anyways and i can't remember how many more minutes we got of this episode um as a as you know opposed to other episodes and the average and everything like that but you know uh we watched it again for notes and such and it was i wasn't it over three minutes there's a scene at the end and i'll point it out mm -hmm. but there was one scene that was over three minutes long there was one sentence said, and I cannot imagine if they'd had to cut 10 seconds from that three minutes and whatever, because everything was just so beautifully done. So I think that, you know, it, it's, it could be cost prohibitive to do it on a big scale, but like adding those longer extended scenes just from what they've already shot, I mean, mm -hmm. it just plays so beautifully on the screen. And I mean, you know, we talk about how long it's taken to get to this point, but I mean, we've only got this season and another season left. And so I'm yeah. started going into my, how in the heck are they going to like make all of these things? And it's just really exciting to see how they're going to do it. And I think they started out beautifully with this episode. Uh, Mike McCauley in the chat says, I heard that this premiere shattered HBO's previous viewership record for any show. I think they were smarter than some of the other channels because most of them in, in my experience, like if I'm watching a, a show for the first time and they're starting sec the second or third season, sometimes you have to pay to see that first season because that's when they think everybody's going to go. Well, at least um, a week, maybe two weeks ago, HBO, GOT, all six season, watch it anytime, season recaps for people who've never seen it, who have seen it. Being the, um, the distributor of the content the way they are, they've really been able to market in a way that allows that record to just be smashed by them. That's really, yeah. it's really smart. They're going to yeah. be rich yeah. forever. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing okay. Yeah, Disney's not going to have anything on them. <laughs> yeah. Any other news bits? Well, I know that there's kind of a Twitter stir right now that we maybe don't want to get into too much since it's not specifically Game of Thrones related, but uh, uh, the the two showrunners for Game of Thrones have announced what their oh. next project would be, and right. uh, um. Yeah. You know, I'll I'll admit that my first reaction is pretty much what a lot of the Twitter complaints are, which is that I don't like the idea of it. It's basically mm -hmm. an alternate alternate history where the South won the Civil War and so on. And I just feel like really, uh, I don't really want to watch that, I don't think. Yeah. Um <laughs> don't need to know that world. So I don't know yeah. because I've I've heard you know like that there's some there's some you know people of color in the uh, you know production you know team um, and working with that so I maybe they've got something in mind that'll surprise us but I just can't help but feel like I I don't want to watch that no. that doesn't yeah. sound good so I'm. I don't know. Well, obviously, it's you know when they've just announced the premise, it's hard to know. But I, at yeah. the same time, yeah. sometimes there's a premise that you just sort of feel like. Well, yeah, 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 I, I, I'm sure you guys have got some other ideas back on the dry erase yeah. board now. So why don't you roll off a couple more of those and see if we can't come and, up with something better? 
I've seen the argument made. Jared, I believe, posted something, our friend Jared earlier, mm -hmm. that said something basically, you know, you know, in a world, it would be an alternate history of a world where white supremacy and slavery didn't end. Well, that's not necessarily, white supremacy mm -hmm. is not ended, you know what I mean? So it's kind of yeah. a little, it could be a little tone deaf. They've got to be real careful how they <laughs> approach it. But, you know, I remember when they announced that they were doing the series, this series, Game of Thrones, and the outrage and how can they, how dare they, they'll never, they can't, there's no way, it's impossible. Well, yeah. so, I, it, so We probably don't need to go too far yeah, down true. that rabbit hole because it's, it's a whole yeah. fraught conversation, but it's, yeah, I don't know. I mean, because I've certainly been happy with Game of Thrones as a show, even though mm -hmm. it's had its moments of controversy for sure. Um, some of them, I think, you know, legitimately bad decisions on their part, but also in general, it's a show we're doing a podcast about. So it's obviously something we right. enjoy, but I don't know. So I guess that was the only other news thing that was on my mind at the moment. Mm -hmm. how, so how are you on uh, uh, Man on the High Castle? I actually haven't seen it. I've heard good things, but I haven't seen any of it. Cause it's similar thing. It's like, you know, alternative history, but the Nazis mm -hmm. won. So, and yeah. I love it. I think it's fascinating. But I had the same visceral reaction you did to the Benioff and Weiss announcement. I'm like, I don't want to see well, that. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I feel like the, the, the context is very different um, sure. because, yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, again, yeah. we, could, we could spend yeah. hours talking about yeah. it. Let's, let's not. So uh, let's get into another controversy. I want to start the show discussion. Actually, I want to get the, the edge here in discussion out of the way. Okay. Because there's been a huge <laughs> reaction on the internet. And People I believe dumb, we are all in agreement. People are dumb. It's yeah. Not well, so, for, so where I'm coming from is I didn't even know who, who that was. <laughs> like, I, like, I don't know. I still don't really know. Is he a singer, I guess? Yeah, he's a yeah. singer. Um, so uh, I'm, I've never been terribly um, – up on like uh, pop music of any kind in terms of knowing current bands and singers and stuff. I'm just, I, that's not something that generally permeates my awareness. Um, so I had no idea. And honestly, I was a little bit surprised when I kind of heard there was a controversy because I was like, okay, so which one of the guys was he? <laughs> oh, he's like the, of the three that talked, he was the least memorable of the three for me. Right. So yeah. like the thing is, I just sort of feel like, it's fine. It's a yeah. fine scene. It works fine. So like, I think, well, I think it's a, a really great scene and we'll get into that later, but yeah. um, it definitely, yeah. it took me out of the moment. I did recognize him and it mm. took me out of the moment. Well, but you and, recognize Ian McShane when he has a cameo, but he's an actor. I expect to see him there, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's different for me. If like, uh, you know, Ben said and all that, because they're actors and they're supposed mm. to be there. So, I guess the only thing about it that really tweaked me, I mean, I think it's silly that people are upset and that he, that people are directly, you know, saying nasty things to him when yeah. come on, he's doing a job. Right. Um, but uh, the thing that hit me is the, the uh, director's reaction. He got really defensive and we don't do stunt casting. And to me, that's he's like, we just needed a singer. So we hired a singer. No, that is stunt casting because he's a international pop star. Like, I don't know. Well, that bugged I, me, and it's still I, not a big deal. Right. <laughs> I still don't really care. 
Right. Well, and we had, we kind of had a conversation. I didn't realize that, you know, he had had that immersion loss moment and I, and I get that. And I guess I didn't, you know, I can't name a single song of his. I don't know who he is. I pretty much identified him because I knew he was a redhead and he had the most hair product of anybody <laughs> ever in the realm. It was like boyfriend had it all just sculpted and shit. It was, it was, that's how I recognized him. Um, okay. And then I read that uh, he actually appeared as a surprise. It was some surprise announcement for Maisie, who is apparently a big fan. So yeah. You know, Chooch and I, you know, disagree because I felt I, I said the same thing. Ian McShane, I didn't get confused on if I was watching Deadwood. Max Bouncito, I looked up and he has 162 acting credits. So it's like yeah. I didn't get that either. But um, I mean, I get I get I get Chooch's point. But I mean, I they didn't put him in a talking role or a fighting role. He was singing. And I thought that if, if they're stunt casting a singer in, in a singer's role, then I'm OK with that. And it just... I, I made the, I had the comment and I had the thought to myself about the hair product and that was pretty much, yeah. yeah. I mean, so like I, as I mentioned, I'm coming at it from a couldn't have had my immersion broken because I didn't know who he was before. Right. <laughs> so there's that. But I, at the same time, I guess I just sort of feel like it's not like he showed up and he was bad in the scene or something. Right. I, I mean, it, it was a good scene. It was one of the best scenes in the episode and it's he was like the fine. Executive producer's in girlfriend it. who wants to get into Hollywood or something. Yeah. So like, <laughs> it, it just feels like the, the greatest amount of complaint anyone could ever have about it is that I recognized a guy and it took me out of the story for 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, oh, so what? <laughs> that was it for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> some of the defenders were saying, well, they've had other famous musicians on there. They had Sigur yeah. Ross, da, 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 and well, they're not really recognizable and they didn't have lines. But um, I think really likely it's only a backlash because it's him. You know, if it was a cooler musician or something like a cooler, yeah, nobody would give a shit. <laughs> See, and <laughs> the thing is, him. is like, I am aware only through this controversy that he's famous, I guess. Right, and so right. again, I still sort of feel like, Oh, okay. I'll take everybody's word for it. But <laughs> cool. that said, well, anyone who said anything mean to him on Twitter for this is just mm -hmm. a jerk and should yes. shut up. Yep. Absolutely. There's a couple of uh, questions in the chat that uh, relate more to the scene and we'll get to that in mm -hmm. a minute i'll address those um jumping into the episode we jump into the dining hall with yeah. walder frey talking to a big group of people um i'm gonna guess we had similar mind developments as this happened um what was yours viv You're muted. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're muted. And then I turned off my camera. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was reading the chat. I'm sorry. What What did you ask me? <laughs> I was saying hi to Terry. Um, hi, Terry. So as uh, we see the scene opens, Walter Frey's addressing the phrase and stuff. Right. And I'm guessing we had a similar brain step of brain. Like, what was your reaction to seeing him? What did you think was going on? I honestly, it just, for a second, I thought it was a flashback. I completely, it took me by such surprise. I completely forgot about the possibility of the face changing and all of that. And even though we had just watched the last yeah. episode from last season, it was like, 
you know, is, what the hell? Why are they? Sh is it a flashback? Well, Why is he? They literally finished the flashback with. <laughs> Yeah, with with that bit because it was yeah. literally the very end. So, uh, yeah, it, I I don't I don't want to cut you off if you had more. No, I was I just was stunned and then triple stunned. I I remember making that Chooch and I kind of like made like what the hell was you know what's going on? <laughs> yeah, and um, it just sucked me right in. Um, yeah, I I had that same first thought of like is this a flashback of a scene that's somehow going to be relevant? Like, right. Oh, you know, Oh, if only we had known that Walter mm -hmm. Frey before Arya killed him did something that's going to be important in some way. Um, but then, you know, as he's, as they focused on pouring the wine for everybody, yeah. that's where I'm saying, well, wait a minute. Oh, okay. I see what's going on here. And so I enjoyed the build to the mm -hmm. reveal. Yeah. Um, and I like it in general, but boy, my little nitpick detector started firing up and I'm just thinking, Arya has been impersonating a grown man for over a week and arranged this whole feast as him. <laughs> that starts i mean i know it's fancy face changing and mm -hmm. all that but that starts to stretch plausibility a little bit right. for me i think i mean because he said two feasts in one fortnight fortnight mm -hmm. is two weeks mm -hmm. so okay. like how long has she been she's just walking around good <laughs> she's that good <laughs> he, he, had so. the, he, he had the runs a lot and just wasn't available <laughs> yikes <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, Nettie had a uh, in her notes had a uh, pretty much similar reaction to me. Years returning. Wait, is that? Oh, it is. Oh, it it yeah. The moment they were doing the wine, like it's got to be. Um, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I don't have any of the sound clips. We tried to record some, and uh, it came out all garbled. But the line, "The North remembers winter has come for spray was just chilling. <laughs> well. Uh, the, band, you know. the part that really gave me uh, goosebumps too was actually uh, when, uh, uh, still as Frey, she starts saying, "But you didn't kill all the Starks, did you? <laughs> you left one alive. You didn't tear them out root and stem. As oh. long as one wolf lives, the sheep are not safe." <laughs> that was. I'm getting goosebumps again. So good. Well, I, you well, know, one of the says, saw it coming a mile away and loved the hell out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. I think it was executed beautifully, even if you got it from the first second. Yeah. But um, I know that one of the other controversies—not controversies, but you know, there's speculation and such about Sansa, and you know, we'll talk about her scene later. But you know, possibly, you know, she's drawn admiration and she's becoming more like like Cersei. Well, you know, as Arya was leaving. As, our, as she was leaving the dining hall and that gr she's looking, she's specifically looking at dead guys as she's leaving. Like, you're okay, good. You're dead. And all right, you're all dead. Okay, I can leave. And she smiles. And I think I, I don't know if I started crying or what, but I was just like struck by this. She's not little Arya Underfoot anymore. She's never, ever, ever, ever going to be like that again. Hmm. And if Sansa's becoming like Cersei, then Arya is becoming like Jamie, where she's just got that surgical this is what we need to do and so we'll do it and i'll think about the rest of it later and it just my i just cried on the inside because i know she's older and she's been through everything but i just i don't know it's it was it was hard to see that satisfaction mm -hmm. on her face of a job so very well done 
She's the Punisher now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm going to, I want to go through a timeline wise, kind of like we did last season where I'm going to follow people and kind of stay in the same area. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it worked for this episode though, from the cold open, it did jump to the title sequence, um, yeah. which I thought was cool. We saw Dragonstone, the twins and old town on the map, uh, which was very mm-hmm. cool. And seeing the yep. astrolabe in the little old town. Right. Um, <laughs> something that was, I, I saw pointed out on Twitter is that they changed the look of what is north of the wall. They redid yeah. that piece up there. And it's very subtle, so you wouldn't necessarily notice unless you're one of those people who obsesses over these things right. <laughs> or someone who sees those people post about it on Twitter. Um, but for whatever reason, the the region just north of the wall itself is just a little bit clearer and made more distinct to show that there's like a plane with a road uh, north mm. of the wall as oh, opposed cool. to being just kind of generic sort of ice mountains. Mm. Cool. I didn't notice that. Yeah. So I'm I'm not sure if they're just cleaning it up or if if there's some intent other intention there. Hmm. Uh, got Mike McCauley asks, was Ari the only one who killed in this episode? Yeah, I, I think, think so. so. Yeah. yeah. Do you and know what? What was it? No one else uh, really did any one... fighting or killing. Mm. Yeah. In this episode, she certainly made up for everybody else. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and Paulette says, it makes you wonder when they're all dead. I'm guessing she means Arya's list, what's left mm-hmm. of Arya. Mm. I think that's the danger for sure. Mm. For sure. Um, I hope so that- she finds Gendry by then. <laughs> and can live happily ever after. <laughs> we know where you he know. is. Still in the boat. <laughs> Just swimming <laughs> around. No. I was a little hoping the last time we saw Pod and Brienne that they were rowing out. <laughs> Somewhere. Oh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe yeah, maybe Danny will find him now because he was right. rowing away from Dragonstone, right? <laughs> going in circles. Yeah, um, they'll be getting ready to to uh, leave from Dragonstone to go to King's Landing, and they'll just run into uh, this guy in a boat and just like, what are you doing out here? <laughs> well, he's got one arm bigger than the other, so he's probably just been rowing in a circle the whole time, mm-hmm, <laughs> all three definitely. seasons. So the the next right. scene. Oh. No, that's right. I'm... Um, so Arya comes upon the Lannister soldiers, and we hear uh-huh. a brand new song, which was pretty cool. Yeah, that song was about it was about Tywin. Yeah, it was about uh, Tywin and Shay. See, was it Tyrion and Shay? See, because um, I I, I, I guess I did I didn't hear all the lyrics, but what I assumed when I I've thought some of the lyrics were like hands of gold or cold. So like, I thought that was Jamie, but I don't know. I didn't, I, I guess I wasn't aware of it or I didn't yeah. process it as being about anyone specific other than yeah. just generic Lannister stuff, but generally conveying the emotion of all of this stuff that we're supposedly fighting for is dumb, but you know, just, yeah. Well, a woman's hands are warm. Let's, yeah. Wouldn't it be nice to just do that? <laughs> well, that's not metaphorical, but the, they were, yeah, hands of gold are just meant Lannister hands. Yeah. yeah. And he was the he was the hand at the time, too, wasn't he? But yeah, well, I, I really thought didn't it, even think about it. So I thought it might have been Jamie. So I actually went and found that. And I swear I thought it said Tywin, but, you know, maybe I was wrong. 
I had read something similar that yeah, that it was in um, the books and that it, it actually makes sense that it would be like that there could be a story about Tywin because even though obviously Cersei would have and the other you know like Kevin was around at that time would have tried to control the story but I mean basically what people would have found during that whole thing is Shay dead in Tywin's bed and Tywin dead at the at the privy (laughs) so um, I mean there being a song about the two of them makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so overall, I thought this scene was really great. Or it gets to see that, you know, there's a big difference between the leaders and the people on the ground. Yeah. They really won her affection by uh, saying uh, that King's Landing is the worst place in the world. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it was such a cool scene because on the one hand, we see her first really resisting the idea of joining them and, and being very wary. We see, you know, the, the camera shows us through her eyes that she's just noticing where all their weapons are yeah. and that they're all wearing armor and trying to get a sense of like, okay, if I have to fight these guys, what am I going to do? And she tries twice to refuse the food they're offering her, um, before finally accepting, um, but uh, yeah, so I, um, I, I've heard people speculating is like, oh, is she gonna kill them all? And I'm like, I feel like I don't think so. I, I mean, she kind of, I feel like the closest she came was that sort of test of I'm going to kill the queen, yeah. and then they just laughed. And so I, I feel like she has no reason. She has no reason to kill them unless something comes up in which they try to kill her which she would fight to defend herself. But I, at this point, I don't think there is any chance of Arya being the aggressor. I agree. Um, I, she, I agree that she was also really, it was a really humanizing moment for her because it's been a really long time since people were just nice and they didn't mm-hmm. want something from her and they didn't beat her with a stick or blind her or stab her in the stomach or you know any of the things that have happened to her over the entirety of the show. They, and the and the one guy is just like mom said be night be good to strangers and strangers will be good to you and whose mm-hmm. mom didn't tell him that you know what I mean and so like I think that I think that they touched her in a way that like nobody's done nobody's like been relatable to her in a really mm-hmm. long time and I think yeah. it was I, I agree I don't think that she'll be the aggressor at all and and uh it, it, it'll be interesting because you know, after the last thing that we saw was her walking out of out of the phrase dead, you know, you know, morgue of a dining room, and then mm-hmm. to see how wary she is and to just see her kind of break down a little bit, it 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 made me feel a little better about her character arc for this season because I was really <laughs> wondering how much of that I could of that aria that I could stomach. In Nettie's notes, she'd said, um, Notice she was trying not to eat their food. Once she did, I knew they would be safe. And I hadn't thought mm-hmm. about that being part of her apprehension. Like, um, you know, thinking mm-hmm. if I eat it, then yeah, I'm definitely. Well, gonna. especially coming on the heels of the, the Frey scene where she, as Walter Frey specifically mentioned, mm-hmm. slaughtered your guests after you had 
you know, right. shared a drink with them, I think is what she said yeah. then. But uh, specifically mentioning that, actually, that just reminds me when we're talking uh, about uh, another scene later, I'll point out another uh, bit of dialogue that I think is setting us up for something. Um, but we'll mm -hmm. see. But that that's where we get into speculation again. But uh, mm -hmm. so, and it's not related to the scene anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> um. Paul added said, uh, I have the feeling the producers want us to worry about Arya's virtue, which, you know, I was a little worried. Uh, but the whole time I was more worried for the soldiers. <laughs> well, I think we're kind of trained by this show to assume yeah. that, like, any random people you meet are going to be jerks. Right. And mm -hmm. that's, that has largely been the case. And where it's not the case, it's usually an exception. Um, but in this case, they were nice. And so it was kind of a... It's kind of a relief. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to head, uh, head way north. Way, way, way north of the mall. <laughs> where we see the army of the dead. Mm -hmm. And we see giant white walkers. Yeah. Or <laughs> uh, whites. Note. The whites, at yeah. least, right? All right, yeah. yeah. The others, whites, have giants. This is not a drill, people. <laughs> now, this scene represents the scene that I... The, the most bananas uh, Twitter speculation I saw seems to deal with this. Like I, I have no idea, but like some of the stuff they were getting into, I was starting to feel like, okay, you're starting to veer into like conspiracy theory stuff here where you're speculating things like totally not in evidence. And it's like, it's, it's possible you're right, but I can't think of any conceivable reason why your explanation makes more sense than the obvious one. And it's things like, what if it's actually a vision of the future and they're already south of the wall? And it was that giant one, one as a white. And I'm like, no, none of those things. Like there's no reason to believe any of that. I, I mean, I don't want to tell people they're wrong to make guesses about what might be or looking for possible twists. But at the same point, this one seems like it was, there's a straightforward interpretation and I can't think of any reason for it to be anything other than a reminder to us, the viewers that these things are coming yeah. and that Bran has a connection to them. And that's what it was. Yeah. It's a scary mm -hmm. thing. They're coming. Bran knows it. He has a vision. I don't think that scene needs to be anything else. And so people seem to be looking for that to have some hidden twist to it, which seems unnecessary to me. Gotcha. Like people. <laughs> I don't know if Mike posted this as a joke, but was it just me or did they show Hodor in the crowd? Uh, I certainly didn't see him. I did not. <laughs> I live in a world where Hodor didn't fall. <laughs> a joke. Never saw him. Maybe, maybe, maybe they were all kind of fighting at him, and then he just said Hodor, and uh, they said, "Hey." What are we doing? I like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> How could you not like Hodor? He, he, right. he won them over with his charm. There you go. <laughs> it's a little further <laughs> south to the wall. Lord Commander Ed <laughs> greets Mira and Bran. Yes. Um, saw that uh, nothing shook or shimmered when Bran passed through the yeah. gate. That was one of my theories. What do you mean? I was worried that when Bran was warging and the Night King touched him, that it would make some kind of connection. It said, you know, the dead can't pass, but like if 
he passed that it would like shatter the magic of the wall or something. Right. Cause yeah. he got into where the three eyed Raven was purely mm-hmm. because he touched him when he was warging or whatever it's right. called. Right. Like, so, deeper connection. Like yeah. I, that's, that's a good example of something that like the story could go that way. It could deal with that or it could have, I don't know. It seems less likely now just because there was kind of no indication that anything was happening and it would be harder to connect back to it if they didn't show anything here. But um, just from a dramatic narrative perspective, I feel like Bran has already paid for that slip up. Um, You know what I mean? It's like Mm -hmm. having to suddenly leave the death of the three-eyed raven, the loss of Hodor, having to leave that place of safety and go on the run again. Like, I feel just from a narrative stakes perspective Mm -hmm. that that mistake has been paid for. And the idea that we would now put the entire world in danger because this last line of defense is destroyed just because he let the night King touch him in a way that nobody ever told him was not okay. And it was like, I I don't, I don't feel like narratively it would be fair to put all of that on brand personally, but that's like a meta. That's a meta Mm -hmm. reason. That's not a story reason why it wouldn't be like that. That's more like, that doesn't seem like it would be a good story for them to have that be what yeah. happens. But at the same time, I don't know, like sometimes they, they do things unexpected things and they, they make it work. But, <laughs> but that's, that's why that particular uh, thing turned struck me as uh, being unlikely. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Any other wall observations? Or we head to Winterfell. <sighs> No, Moving south, just like yeah. just like the Night King. <laughs> <laughs> so John's planning for the Night King. Oh, um, everyone. Before, oh, I'm sorry to cut you off, but just one last thing about the scene with uh, Bran. Uh, I did like the whole bit of like, oh yeah, Mira Reed, Bran Stark, and Ed's just like, okay, but <laughs> you can say that. But yeah. how do I know that's true? And Bran right. does not even remotely try to say, "Oh, you know, you knew my brother. He was Lord Commander. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna prove that I know him. Nothing like that." He's just like, "Dude, you know what's <laughs> back there? Are you gonna let me in or what?" And that's <laughs> like, fair enough. Yeah, that that, that, that makes sense. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty solid case. <clears throat> So we got a uh, John planning and wants everyone aged ten to twenty, boys and girls. Does he say ten to twenty? Like, I thought he said like older than that. Like, or 10 I'm to sorry, 60 I'm sorry, ten to sixty. Ten yeah, to I was 60. Gonna, yeah. Basically, everybody. <laughs> um, it's it's really an interesting uh, question because there there's a couple of story elements that I feel like the show is not fully addressing in a way that I feel like would make more sense. Like, and if it's just not the story they want to tell, so they're brushing some stuff aside, but it's something we discussed last season too, of just like, do people know he came back from the dead? If yes, then why is that not a bigger deal? And if no, how do they justify that he's not with the night's watch anymore? Mm-hmm. So that's one issue that just feels like they're just kind of brushing aside any questions about it. And the other is why would any of them believe him about the white walkers? Right. 
Now, I think that that's, it's possible that that's still going to come up more in the sense that like they believe him kind of in theory, but they certainly, it's not real for them. And I think that's actually, you know, when we talk more about uh, John and Sansa in a minute, uh, it's going to tie in there. But, um, uh, but just the fact that he's talking about, we're going to have everybody from age 10 to 60, men and women, boys and girls, training and we're going to be doing all of this stuff with the specific intent of defending against this mythical enemy that nobody has seen for a thousand years and everyone's just like yeah sounds good <laughs> so i, I just feel just like the fact that he took such a drastic measure of allowing the free folk in and all that yeah maybe. well mm -hmm. and certainly the you know many of the free folk know because like you know Tormund was at hard home right yeah. he was there yeah. you know i think um so yeah, so there's, you know, there's some people who could vouch for him, but at the same time, I mean, it's a big thing. It's a He's big story to swallow. <laughs> right. But so, but the show seems everybody. like they're, yeah, but the show seems like they just kind of want to brush, move past that question and just say, yeah. okay, let's just take as a given that everyone believes him enough that they will listen to what he's saying. Yeah. We are reminded again what a badass Lady Mormon is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Leading the way, shaming the men. Yeah. Oh, my God. I feel like it's a little fan service which I'm not complaining, but no. I just mean it, it felt like they said, oh, everybody really liked her, so let's let's make sure she gets something cool to say. Her parents were very she. vocal. I, I think that she learned that from them, and she's still a child, so she may not know the etiquette that she's not supposed to just shout shit out. <laughs> That's going to shame pretty much everybody in the room because, <laughs> I mean, even Brienne and Sansa were like, preach on, little girl. This is what the next generation looks like. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, was, it was really powerful. It was just a thing of beauty. And I yeah. think that the fact that she said, you know, boys and girls... I mean, let's not forget the fact that we've already seen the benefit that Arya has gained from the training that she got from Sirio Pharrell. Mm -hmm. And that we, we saw that again just at the end of last season when she took out the waif. But mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I don't know. I just, I think <laughs> that it's the least you can do is to teach the little girls how to hold knives to defend themselves. Yeah. Nothing else that, at the last, at the last, at the last, at the last, you know, they can defend themselves for a little longer. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, how John addressed things, particularly, I'm not the king of the free folk, <laughs> was just played amazingly well. And, mm -hmm. you know, Norman clearly appreciated it. It's like, we're the Night's Watch now. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of got a pleasant irony to it. Yeah. Um, and so he, they're, they're going to go do East Watch by the Sea, uh, mm -hmm. specifically. Um which I'm sure, I, I suspect that we're going to see a lot more story revolve around that location mm -hmm. um, for a couple of reasons. But certainly the fact that a known character is being sent up there, um, that's obviously one, one reason to believe it. But yeah. I, ha I have more later as it comes. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, uh, so I, I agree. It was kind of cool, the, the respectful way he handled that because it's not only sort of for them, but it's also the way of making everybody else understand the dynamic is mm -hmm. that like the free, you know, the, the wildlings are not just slaves that have been rescued here right. there and they're not monsters either. 
They mm -hmm. are their own people that are allied with John for now because their interests align. And yeah. saying, so so we treat them with respect and we can ask them for help and they will help us if they are willing as opposed to ordering them around. Right. Or treating them like they're not welcome. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think John handled the, his disagreement with Sansa that was so public at such an, an interesting yeah. time. I thought he handled that really well because... I don't know if they have fully realized that they they were raised together, but the last years their their experiences have been wholly different. John's have, has literally been, you know, good versus evil, living versus dead, and people are standing and they're actually following by their their oaths and things like that. You know, Karstarks and and Umbers notwithstanding, um, you know. And so he's been fighting this very honorable fight, and Sansa's been in court with Cersei and Joffrey and all of these horrible monsters in a political warfare and Baelish and you know how she got pushed and pulled around and everybody that was sworn to her betrayed her in one way or another. They let her down in some big way, and. So they're coming at it from a similar language, but totally different experience after that. And it's, it was really, it was nice to see that they, they sparked like they did, like she wasn't afraid to speak her mind to him, but mm -hmm. that he did say, nope, this is it, this is final. And then I think that they cleaned it up really well in the conversation they had after they left that room even, so. Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I think there's some really nice complexity and nuance in what's going on with the two of them. Like, even if we just talk about what the disagreement was in this first scene. I mean, I think we can definitely all agree that even if Sansa had a point, the two of them should get their act together in terms of trying to be able to present a united front at those big meetings. Exactly. Yep. So instead of her questioning him at those big things in front of everybody, it's one thing if she wants to be heard, I, I, but at the same time, we can also imagine based on the conversation they have after that she's probably running into a little bit of a brick wall is that in, unless she does it in a public way, he just brushes her off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it yeah. might be that that's why she did it, but we can also also agree that, uh, that it's doesn't look good to mm -hmm. confront him in the middle of the big thing. And also like, I, you know, I'm prepared to defend Sansa for a fair amount in this episode. Um, I do feel like the two proposals that they discussed is also a nice complexity because neither one mm -hmm. is obviously the wrong answer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like in general, I would side with John in that particular dispute, but it's not like one is obviously stupid or corrupt or bad in any way. And the other is good and pure and smart. It's yeah. there. It's really kind of complex. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, having that, yeah, sorry, but I think, and then him calling up, um, Alice Karstark and Ned Umber mm -hmm. and having them swear, you know, to him, to his, to the Starks family or whatever, to them mm -hmm. again. I think that, you know, he showed that these aren't adults that we're talking about because pretty, it's, you look, it's all these children. The children are making the decisions. The children are ruling the adults. And mm -hmm. um, it's really easy to think, oh, well, they weren't 
you know, kick them out because they weren't honorable. But then you see it's literally children that will be kicked out and then what's going to happen to them? You know, it's just, I thought it was a, a good way to show that, that John has that compassion like we saw in his father. Mm-hmm. And Nettie's was similar, said, um, well, I could see Sansa's side. John won me over with not punishing the children <laughs> and they <Yeah>. were children. <laughs> well, and I, I think that's what the, having the, the children there and giving us that whole little thing where they bend the knee and swear fealty and all of that sort of thing. I mean, I think that that scene is designed to have us be on John's side in that particular mm-hmm. conflict. Um, but uh, at the same time, I think it was smart that it was not some, uh, not some argument where there is a definite right and wrong answer. It's more just a matter of like, we can come down on one side, but it's not like the other side was bad. It's just, which is, which is better. And mm-hmm. John's coming at this from the perspective. Well, you know, and see this, this directly ties into what we'll talk more about when in their conversation later, they're coming at the question from two different sides, Right. John is coming at this from, we have got an army of dead things and magic snow monsters coming at us. We need all of the people we can get. And that means not um, kicking out whole families just because their dads made some bad decisions. If we can reconcile and have everybody, that's better. Whereas Sansa's coming from this perspective of, you have to reward the people who help you out or next time they won't. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to punish the people who betray you or they'll keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And she's not wrong. Mm-hmm. So now that said, you can say, okay, well, doing the, you know, like the more honorable thing like John did is like, that's how you inspire loyalty, but it's, it's a juggling act. Yeah. Yeah. Real. Uh, there, uh, and of course, little finger looks very, very pleased. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. Ooh, I can work with this. Yep. Well, and it plays back to something that he said before is that uh, when he was trying to get her affections, I guess when they were, I don't know where, but he said, you know, she said, but I have an army now. And he said, your brother has an army. You don't have anyone that's for you. And she's learning that. Mm. And so it's just, it's interesting to think about where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, so are we are we moving on to their conversation yeah. afterwards then? Yeah. Um I'm really intrigued because for one, um this that exchange gives John his biggest kind of dick moment of the uh, episode which is that bit of like she's saying you have to be smarter and he's like and how should I do that by listening to you? And that's very like memeable. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of making John just look like a total asshole. Um, and it is kind of, but at the same time, I feel like the subtlety of the acting in that moment, and I really only kind of appreciated this in the rewatch, is that um, when he asks that question, you could easily imagine that being sort of a dickish, sarcastic sort of question. Like, what am I, how do I do that? By listening to you. But that's really kind of not how he says it. Mm-hmm. He kind of says it with a little more vulnerability to it, like he's really asking. Mm-hmm. And she, I think, recognizes that in her response, which is first to be stung a little bit just by kind of having it be presented that way, but then to kind of 
have this moment of eye contact and just say, would that be so terrible? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> maybe we could actually just work on this together and that would be okay? Like, we yeah. could maybe really do that. <laughs> and um, and I thought it was interesting because sort of on the page, you could imagine that being a very dickish thing to say and her being mad as a result. But that's really kind of not how it plays in the right. scene. And then they have that, again, that same clash uh, with the letter from Cersei. And she's saying... She's going to come. And he's just like, come on. There's got all this miles. There's nothing they yeah. can do. All he cares about is north of the wall. And she's like, right. there's a bigger world. And yeah, she will come for you. Yeah. She ain't going to care about snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I th- and I think that that's, you know, what I was kind of uh, alluding to earlier, which is they each have their different experiences that are rendering them you know, a little bit uh, tunnel visioned, you know, because as John even says, it's like, well, yeah, I'm focused on the Night's King. And if you'd seen him, then you'd have a hard time thinking of anything else, too. And he's probably right in that regard. But Sansa's also right in saying, yeah, and if you keep only looking north, then the people from the south are going to be able to just walk up and stab you in the back and you will be just (laughs) as dead. And then who's going to fight the people in the north? <laughs> you can't not pay attention to that. You, you have to also deal with that or else they're just going to cut you down from behind. And so it's like, yes, okay, if we say the north is the, the, the world-ending crisis and south is just political squabbling, the political squabbling left untended could still get you killed. And then who fights in the north? So yeah. it's they're they both have a point and but neither of them are really able to fully appreciate what the other's saying because Sansa is like she's still got to be thinking of the White Walkers as half you know old Nan's stories right? right like I'm sure she believes John that they're real right. and she believes him that they're dangerous and she's not like disputing any of that but it's not real for her in the same way that it is for John who's physically fought them. Yeah. Whereas it's just another for, army. Yeah. Whereas for John, it's a little too easy to dismiss all of the political stuff as like, well, pff, yeah, but they're the Southern army. They're like, they're not even doing very well right now. And they're so far away and they don't know how to fight in the cold. So what are they even going to do? And Sansa's like, they're going to hire a freaking assassin to slip a dagger in your back. What do you think? They're like, I mean, they're going to figure something out. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or as we see a bit later, they might uh, get the Ironborn's thousand ships to come at you. <clears throat> right. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um. But uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so we got the uh, Baelish Sansa conversation. Um, mm-hmm. As they're overlooking, we get our little uh, Brienne and Tormund. Yeah. <laughs> moment. <laughs> Still uh, working on it. Mm-hmm. It's starting to creep me out a little. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of there too in the sense that on the one hand, there's an element of kind of wanting to ship Tormund and Brienne a little bit. Yeah. But on the other hand, she has continued to not give him any encouragement and he's still persisting and it's it's a yeah. little bit like at a certain point, Tormund, you got to if she's not interested, you got to take that as her answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
it's because it's it's not cool otherwise. Now on yeah, the yeah. on the other hand, I can also totally identify with her just being so uncomfortable and flustered with that that maybe she would be interested, except she's just kind of too unaccustomed to it and scared, and she actually would maybe kind of be grateful ultimately for for him being a little bit pushier because it yeah. pushes past that. But you can't. You can't operate no. on that level when you're really, because yeah. <laughs> because at the same time it what it becomes much more easily is she's not interested and he's stalking her and making her uncomfortable. Yeah, don't so be that I, guy, Tormund. So as much as I would like them to actually get together and be happy, because I, I I do like that idea, mm -hmm. the continued dynamic of her not being interested and being uncomfortable and him continuing to pursue her, that is making me uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if they, if they want to develop that, they need to get a move on with it and move it past this, this stage. Because it's, it's been like two and a half seasons now since that first look. <laughs> right. <laughs> She's either gonna lay him out on his ass or <laughs> I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we got Baylor's trying to work Sansa. Mm -hmm. Having none of it. Well, so here's an interesting question that I have for you guys. Sansa acts like a completely different person in mm -hmm. that conversation with um Littlefinger. And in particular, seems to even as she's shutting him down, she doesn't dispute this idea that she's unhappy, right? Mm -hmm. He suggests right. she's unhappy because she's not being listened to and she doesn't dispute him. And her whole demeanor is different than when she was talking with John. Mm -hmm. Clearly this is a learned behavior in the sense that of her ability to act differently with different people. This is something she's learned from her experiences, mm -hmm. but here's the real question. With whom do you think she is faking it? That had not occurred to me. <laughs> I think, I think she's faking it with Baelish because this is pure Cersei. This is all sarcasm. This is, you know, I'm surrounded by my friends and family. How could I not be? You know what I mean? It's very, it's very, it's that same delivery Cersei would have done. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it is learned. I think that she did get it from Cersei. But I do think that it was genuine with John because as she told, you know, you know, Bail she and Baelish are talking now, but um, she made it very clear that she knows exactly what he wants. And mm -hmm. she, I think, I think, I don't know that she's playing him yet, but she's definitely leaving the door open for him to keep, you know, pining after her and hoping that, you know, they'll be seated together or whatever, like he dreamed. I like that. Yeah. I could totally see her playing him and maybe mm -hmm. she, you should go do find something to appease me. <laughs> well, she, I mean, she almost says as much to Brienne when Brienne asks her about it later and just in the sense of like, I know exactly what he wants. And so that suggests that what Sansa might be doing is saying, I know he just wants to sleep with me and I'm going to continue to tell him no, because I know that it doesn't matter whether I tell him no or not. He's going to continue to try to, right. you know, he, he's, he's, he's going to apply constant pressure and you just sort of have to maintain this flood wall 
all the time. So he's kind of like Tormund. Tormund. <laughs> yeah, he's like Tormund. Yeah. But at the same time, this idea that we need his men, and so she's it. We could be saying like she would like to just tell him to go away, but feels that she can't. But here's the thing that's also makes that even if that's what she's thinking, is that if she told and this came up last season, if she told John what the real dynamic was there. John would probably, and maybe not wisely, say, okay, well, let's just get him out of here. We don't need mm -hmm. his men that bad. Yeah. Or we'll find some other way to have his men and not him. Yeah. Um, and, and he might, it might go badly <laughs> because, oh, the thing is, you know, it's a delicate political situation where Littlefinger has all of those men because of his carefully constructed political schemes that would be difficult to unravel. Yeah. Um, and you and John is a, in a position of you kind of do need the men. Yeah, you know we just did that whole thing, right? About yeah. we need the, everybody. The th the threat from the north and the threat from the yeah. south. Absolutely. So I think Sansa is kind of in a position of feeling like she's trying to do her part by mm -hmm. ensuring that Littlefinger's men stick around, and that means continuing to lead him on, which. The way to do that is not to give in to his desire, <laughs> but rather to feed into this idea that she needs him, mm -hmm. like that he's the one that really understands her. Right. And so she has to act like he is right. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, I also feel like it's not 100% an act. Hmm. Because at the, when, you know, the idea that she's frustrated with John not listening to her, we know that's true. Right. You know, because we just saw her arguing with John about it. <laughs> but the whole thing where she's suddenly cold and haughty in in her demeanor and just, just face a mask of, yeah. uh, you know, like like that whole attitude, the way she acts around him compared to the way she's around John, that I think is the act and is playing into what she thinks Littlefinger wants yeah. her to be. Well, and because she if knows, she, sorry, no, go ahead. Well, and she knows that he pined for her mother even after she was he would he was rejected. And so all he all he knows about loving these redheaded women is that he is not probably ever gonna be with them and that's enough for him. Just the pursuit of it seems to fuel him enough. It's really mm -hmm. sick because you gotta remember that his obsession with her is because of his obsession with her dead mother and it's mm -hmm. just creepy as all hell. So yeah, I really, really <laughs> hope that 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 she he, um, he murdered her crazy aunt <sighs> related to that whole thing. She has seen too much of him as he's protecting her and defending her to mm -hmm. to not know what he's after and to know that teasing him is the best way so far at least after our, what is it, thirty years, twenty years that he held a that he was chasing cat. He now works. It was something like that, yeah. Yeah. Go from one dysfunctional relationship to another down in King's Landing. Yeah, <laughs> sure. First um, conversation, I think, since Jamie saw what she's done. Well, certainly the first scene. Um, this is where I feel like the show is playing with the timelines a little bit in the sense that, like, it, it, it feels like it's supposed to have been weeks since all that happened. 
but it feels like you know he he says like we never talked about Tommen, and, and I just sort of feel like yeah you didn't come up before now it seems like that would have come up like right away like when it happened <laughs> but um but at the same time i think we can also i i feel like maybe we all want jamie to reject cersei but and it, but it's not even just this element of you know but he still loves her i mean i think that's in the mix but the other element is like serious serious question let's say that jamie makes the decision uh yeah cersei's gone around the bend um cannot be permitted to continue doing what she's doing then what what does he do where does he go like mm-hmm. what, what what else could he possibly do like well, he did I, let brianna escape from River right. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying that like what's he going to do? Kill her and then what? I mean, it he he loves her, but I think that's not the only reason. Um I think he just literally right now doesn't even know where else he could go. Yeah. 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 He doesn't want anything to do with the throne. He's <laughs> got mm-hmm. that soldier mentality. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's she executed the plan. She blew up the sept mm-hmm. with the wildfire, and he was gonna he he killed Mad Eris, Mad King Eris, for planning to do something like that. And so now he's mm-hmm. looking at, you know, it's like that. Me, I saw some meme that was going around. It was um, I'm here to be a good mother and blow shit up, and I'm fresh out of kids, kind of a thing. You know, it's just <laughs> like, <laughs> but. But it was different with Eris. Like, uh, you know, Paulette says he's known for killing mad rulers. And it's like, yeah, but that's, it was different. Because for one, not his sister. Not his sister that he's in love with. And the context of that happening, even though specifically he stabbed him in the back so that he wouldn't have the whole city get burned down. It was also within the context of there was an existing war going on and his dad had pretty much told him that this was all going to go down this way. Yeah, true. So it's not like that was a situation where just on a whim he decided to throw his whole life away just to kill someone who needed killing. Whereas now, let's say he stabs Cersei in the back um, and then manages to survive uh, Sir Strong's Mm -hmm. uh, reprisal. Um. Now what? Yeah. No, I what? know. I yeah, exactly. Know. I just think that after the twenty whatever years that he's had to swallow his pride and be called the Oathbreaker and the Kingslayer and all of these things, that it may have made that. I would have thought that that would have made that bigger on his moral compass. You know, because he's been justifying to himself, "Well, I did it all because he was going to blow up, you know, part of the city or whatever." So I don't know. I just. I, I, I don't know if he if they are going to deal with that, but it seems like something that they should at least have him throw a line aside for. Yeah. Um, Mike in the chat says, I interpreted his behavior towards Cersei as he's pretty much done with her and no longer trusts her. And I think that that's largely true. Like it's kind of implicit in that whole bit of, um, you know, are you afraid of me? And he says, should I be? <laughs> and And so I think that there is definitely an element of that, but it's, he's still kind of stuck 
like I said. Like, he doesn't want to kill her. Right. His feelings are complex now because he does still kind of feel like he loves her even as he's horrified. He's not sure what he wants to do. And he's also not sure what his possible future could be in any scenario. Yeah. And so he's kind of defaulting to protect, trying to protect her if he can, because he kind of just doesn't know what else to do. I don't think he still trusts her, mm-hmm. but he also doesn't know what else to do. Yeah. Yeah. Incest, man. What are you going to do? It's complicated. <laughs> Yikes. Um, he did say, uh, oh, <clears throat> talking about allies. Where are allies now? And the the phrase mm-hmm. "whoever killed them." So, yeah, there uh, doesn't appear to be a rumor of necessarily who it was. And all Arya said was just the North remembers. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And like, again, who who knows how much of that story would have even really gotten passed around, right? Yeah. Right. Um. But because it was just like the the handmaidens or uh, his, you know, uh, Walter's wives or whatever other girls were serving wine. I mean, it's just like, would anyone even listen to them? Yeah. Um, but uh, the other thing that was kind of worth observing here, because uh, the, the big map on the floor, mm-hmm. I, I love when this show uses diegetic maps, meaning maps that are like actually within the story. Yeah. Um, to help us visualize what's going on. So I love that. Um, I actually tweeted after this episode, my tweet was uh, season seven, episode one, impractical maps and empty castles. <laughs> um, and so I, but I, I did love the map and having her just kind of sort of standing at King's Landing and kind of pointing is like, okay, there's Dragonstone. That's where we think Daenerys is going to land. And of course he's right in, in mm-hmm. his speculation. Um, we also get a, a reference that maybe all we're going to get of during the season, but is like mm-hmm. Hilaria Sand and, <gasps> oh, Nutty! Yay! Nutty! Nutty! <laughs> I hope everybody can hear me okay. Hi. Yes. Yeah. Hello. Welcome. How far are you into the episode are you? We're talking about Jamie and Cersei in their big map room scene. Oh, okay. <laughs> we are so excited to see you. We weren't sure you were going to make it on the call. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'll have plenty of time. If there's an hour difference, no, it's the other way around. Oh, oh. no. So for the listeners, I'm traveling for work and in a different time zone. So I, of course, did the conversion backwards. <laughs> you make me and feel so much better about myself, Nutty. <laughs> I just, uh, oh, time zones. It's crazy. Uh, and um, yeah, I just got back from a corporate dinner. So well, there's only so much control you can have. Chooch, what is on your head? <laughs> oh, these are my, my tiefling horns for our, our D&D game. Oh, I love it. There are so I many levels to be yeah. <laughs> I forgot to take them off. <laughs> So, Cersei <laughs> and, uh, and yeah. Jamie. Mm. Mm-hmm. Jamie, we it's just, time to say goodbye. Just <laughs> well, about so to head into that's your what, The argument I was just making, though, which is to say, where can Jamie go? Like, real question. Where could he go? Oh, where he's else got nothing. He <laughs> yeah, see, that's kind of my point, is that, like, he's really kind of stuck with her. Yeah. Like, unless he wants to completely go against every um, thing he's ever 
held dear. I mean, like mm-hmm. he, if he wa- he'd have to turn his back on being a Lannister, turn his back on anything about the establishment of who has the kingdom. I mean, he would have mm-hmm. to really turn cloak yeah. to do anything. But like my fan fiction dream is that he just kind of like disappears and finds like happiness just being Joe Schmo, Jamie Schmo somewhere and, Jamie and Schmo. not being known by a name. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm, I'm just Jamie without a last name. Yeah. <laughs> Don't mind the gold hand. Right. right. Yeah, well, you don't have to pay <laughs> the gold hand in for something a little more useful like a hook. <laughs> uh, <laughs> says they're talking about allies. Uh, speaking of allies, yeah. we see the Iron Fleet come. Oh uh, yeah, those were some cool. That shows. was badass looking. That I, was a beautiful. Yeah, I hope we oh, get to Paulette see it in action. He could take the black. That's actually not a terrible idea. Yeah, that's another fan fiction dream that I have. I would love to see Jamie in as a crow. I mean, I just think that that'd be hot. Yeah, I I would love the dynamic there too, just because he would it would put him in the sphere of a whole bunch of characters that he's never even talked to. Yeah. Like he hasn't seen oh, John yeah. since episode one. Yeah. Imagine wow. him talking to Dolores Ed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That'd be great. That's crazy. Huh. Wow. Yeah, Plus, so I, I really want to see I really want to see this. Or show or, or not well sort of she's yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Um, I really want to see that ship in action. Um, and and this is where I believe that uh, as now and then we say, like you said earlier, Christiana, they're playing with time. Time's out the window. You yeah. Know, it's 100% yeah. narrative because at the end of last season, he said, you know, they took all my ships, build me a thousand ships. I'll take the world. Mm-hmm. And then he shows up two weeks later and I've got a thousand ships. They're but pretty badass remember. ships. Those are not like fast and cheap ships. And, yeah, they were like tank ships. And, and of course, what, there are no trees on the Iron Islands. Which yeah, is What resources do they have to build a thousand yeah. ships? <laughs> and you have to remember that uh, Yara and Theon went all the way to Daenerys. In, in, mm-hmm. And that's not, that's not a quick trip. Right. So there's this teleportation back and forth, and Iron Islands are all the way on the other side of the continent from. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. So yeah, time's clearly just out the window. It's 100 percent narrative. Yeah, it's fine. No, it's. I don't think they'll stretch things way too far, but I mean, a thousand ships is pretty fucking far. But it's ultimately not that important either. Yeah, I I think at a certain point we just have to. It's Dothraki math all over again. Is all it is. Right. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> so uh, they have a, a great I mean you're on here he's so animated clearly oh. fucking insane um, but knows what he wants <laughs> mm-hmm. he's very charismatic um, he's evil but charismatic yeah. he was brilliant and mm-hmm. just you know the uh, praise for Jamie you know, slaughtering your own men <laughs> oh, that's too crowded there's so many great little passive aggressive digs in that conversation you know here I am. Two good hands. And two, two good hands. And ships and two good hands. And just you that, see the look on Jamie's face when he says that, it's just like, oh, she's sort of a bitch. <laughs> that Dude. was awesome because it said so much. Okay, so first it said, 
I know the rumors about mm-hmm. you two. I know they're true. Yeah. I don't care, but I'm going to alpha here. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, there were so many different levels that one line had and it was hysterical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also good was the, uh, you know, uh, you killed your own brother and he's like, yeah, you should try it. <laughs> Feels wonderful. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I highly recommend it. Yeah. He so, was, I mean, a casting, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't seen this actor in anything else other than of course last season, but I mean, he is just the epitome of Euron, I think. Wasn't he on one. Dawson's Creek or something? Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I heard that. I don't remember. I didn't actually watch that. I, the moment you I said that, I was like, I never watched it, but yeah, he totally looks like that dude. I, I, I will let you guys. One of the look. podcasts that I'm friends with just finished Dawson's Creek, so it's like, wait, what? Who is it? <laughs> we got no, uh, Sharon Bullock in the chat saying uh, that Uproxx list of what Euron looks like is amazing. Euron Greyjoy looks like a guy who yeah. buys beer for high school students but charges <laughs> them forty dollars for a case of Keystone Light and then shows up at the party. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, you know and uh, steals your girlfriend. So this is this is maybe oh, what I was thinking of is Euron Greyjoy looks like if Pacey from Dawson's Creek had an older brother who was way into stained at one point, but now denies it. <laughs> yeah, good reference. I think the actor uh, who played Pacey is kind of who I was thinking of, and I don't think that's actually yeah. the same guy, but he does look like that. Yeah, it's not Joshua Jackson. It's Pilu as. Bake. I, I don't know how to do the oh. AE one mm. letter sound. Um, but um, Pacey did have an older brother, but it looked nothing like him. <laughs> um, but in any case, uh, it's interesting. I feel like I've heard people complaining about um, show you're on. Uh, and I will say that he's definitely like, he's not as intimidating as a person as book you're on for sure. Yeah. Um, he's not nearly as scary yet, but he's way more charming and interesting to watch. So, you know, and, and, and here's what's also just fun as speculation. Um, he says not that he wants to come and marry Cersei. He says, I dreamed of marrying the most beautiful woman in the world. Yep unsaid implication yep. that maybe it's mm-hmm. you but maybe it's also i'm gonna come check one queen out and then maybe go check out a different queen and then decide <laughs> yeah Ooh, interesting because mm-hmm. so yeah the biggest speculation moment is you know i'm going to go get you something priceless a priceless treasure mm-hmm. what the hell could that be first thing popped in my head oh is he gonna go kidnap Tyrion? but a priceless treasure being i'm joining the other side and coming to slaughter you I could see that totally being in his head. <laughs> and this actually reminds me. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Viv, what were, what were you going to say? Oh, nothing. Go ahead. I, I was going to say it reminds me of that pirate that I'm forgetting his name, but from way back several seasons ago, um, hmm. who wanted to have Cersei as price for his ships being part of the, I think, the Blackwater invasion. Yeah. And Salad, was, our son. Salad yes, our son. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> him. And just to say, um, uh, I won't say the line exactly, but it was just kind of, 
you know, I did not say I would rape her. <laughs> she would basically yeah. implying, no, she would want it. She would want me. <laughs> I thought yeah. that was. I love selling yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> um, uh, you're on Greyjoy. Looks like a guy who has a snake and invites people over to watch him feed it live mice. Oh. <laughs> yep. And he really does look like Joshua Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's Danish. And I guess he played Batu in Ghost in the Shell. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Which I won't go and see, even though I love, but yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think so he's great. I think he is just, I think he's that dynamic, wicked guy that we kind of need because we've lost a couple of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I will, uh-huh. you know, I feel almost weird saying this, given that we've complained in the past about having the show villains having the show kind of go overboard and having to show us over and over and over again, just how evil they are. Yeah. Like, you know, we saw that with Joffrey and we mm-hmm. saw it with Ramsey and so on. Yeah. Um, and so I feel a little weird s- suggesting that that's what we need from him. But I will just say if the show <laughs> intends for him to be like one of the big villains this season, we really haven't seen him do anything that villainous yet. I mean, sure. He killed Balon. Pfft, Who's mad at him for that? Not me. Um, Especially not show Balin. Now like he did, show Balin. Yeah, nobody likes. Yeah, and then so and then there's taking the uh, Iron Islands away from Yara. Yeah, like I mean, we don't like him for that, but it doesn't make him like this huge villain. Right. So if that's what he's gonna become, we're, the show's gonna need to kick it up a notch in terms of him actually doing things that are like villain things. Okay. So far, he's kind of he's exciting to watch, but he hasn't really done anything yet except show up in a magic fleet of ships. I think that's why. But I think that's why the speculation is running so rampant is because I feel that same way as, yeah, he tossed him over. He survived, you know, the drowning of, you know, their, their blessing or whatever they do. What is dead may never die thing, Mm -hmm. you know, but again, I totally agree. He really hasn't delivered much other than being really kind of funny in a, in a mean way. And so that's why it's, it's, I'm not going to say what any of the speculation or the rumors that I've read are, but they, they get pretty interesting in some directions I didn't think of. So I'm just like even more excited to see if they really, like you said, really deliver on this priceless gift. Cause it's, it's, it's gotta be more than the ships cause you can assign a value to ships and they're already there. So this is something different, I think. Can't I wait. did want to mention how much I loved when Jamie said the only thing that the Iron Islanders do is steal things from other people because they can't do anything themselves, <laughs> which made me laugh so hard because they can't make anything. Mm-hmm. They can't do mm-hmm. anything, so they have to steal everything. And what's their justification? You have to pay the iron price. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. It's just because you suck. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, I can't make anything. You can't grow anything. too in terms of character because all the way back yeah. in, I think, episode maybe three or four of season one has him uh, talking to Ned about his impression of Theon. You know, yeah. Theon says, is like, oh, you know, uh, or Ned says like, oh, you know, Theon, yeah, like he's a good boy. And uh, Jamie's like, yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> it's so weird seeing a Greyjoy there. It was like seeing a shark on a mountaintop is what he said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, he clearly goes into his beef. <laughs> With Euron, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they betrayed the Lannisters. Yeah, 
but uh but Euron is just it he's so like self-effacing about it it's like yeah iron islands are shit like you don't want those why would you they're, they're, <laughs> they suck there's nothing okay. there i've been everywhere you, they suck you attack the lannisters yeah and you guys won now we want to help you. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. But I like too just that his whole attitude is like it's it's just this whole idea of like, well, you know, just like some of my family betrayed me, and uh, you know, some of your family betrayed you. I figure like now the people we don't like are teaming up. So hey, maybe we should team up and go kill them, right? So that sounds good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like a he's like a Westerosi. A Westerosi Dothraki. He just wants to raid and gather and hoard and yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I I will say though that um, my first thought, you know, when we just see the ships before we've actually had the scene with Euron, um, and and Cersei just says, "Oh, what you know, what does he want? He wants a queen." And uh, and I was just going like, "Oh, dang." Is, is Cersei going to marry Euron? Right. And exactly. so it turns out it's more complicated than that. But my just first thought there was like, what? what really? Oh, really? Terrible. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I had that same thought. I'm like, wait, I thought she was past that. But, yeah. well, I guess she's wait, willing to okay. do anything. <laughs> Back when we still had Tywin... And there was a point where he was going mm-hmm. to try to force her to marry someone. Was was it Theon that she was going to be have to marry? Uh, well, no. First it was Balin. Was, yeah. was Balin, yeah. Balin. Then uh, it was Loras Tyrell. Right. 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 Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was misremembering that then. But yeah, at the same time, though, just the idea that she would be willing to do that surprised me but the it makes much more sense this idea that she wants to kind of do what Sansa is doing to Littlefinger which is to get him to help with the idea that there's a promise at the end and then you know find a way to screw him over somehow Mm -hmm. oh that's our Cersei (laughs) yep any other thoughts on King's Landing Mm -hmm. well uh Head to Old Town. Old Town. And the montage. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Uh, I was eating dinner during oh, my rewatch, and I just saw that scene, and it's like, I I generally am not squeamish about stuff on TV. <laughs> but just the fact that he gags every time. Yeah. He, he doesn't get used to it. To it. <laughs> It just made me feel for him. It was like, oh, Sam. And it gets to a point where you're not sure what bowls have food and what bowls <laughs> yeah. are the two. Oh, right. Pots. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It mm. was really well done. Yeah. I heard, we heard someone else talking about, oh, great. You know, Samwell is at, at um, the Citadel. We're going to get a training montage. And this is what we got. Yeah. <laughs> so then this happens. And we're like, horrified it's like there was no 80s music you know he wasn't bebopping it was <laughs> yeah and I loved it. really took it over the edge you're right I, i'm just yeah. suddenly envisioning that training montage where he's you know he's like reading lots of books and maybe helping with the autopsy and then maybe looking at like a constellation chart and it's set to you're the best around you're the best yeah um <laughs> but done by bards yeah. yeah, right? Exactly. Ed for some reason. Just not Ed Sheeran. <laughs> no. No more, no more uprisings. Um, 
I really like everything that's happening with Sam in uh, in yeah. all of his scenes here. Um, I uh, love how well Gilly can read. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Because remember, she was just learning, and she's not stumbling. She's just like, oh, this is what this mm-hmm. says. Yeah, really well, I, and I I love that too because it, at first it, it's it's completely plausible that uh, Sam would consider that a high priority yeah. thing is to help mm-hmm. her learn to read. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. absolutely. It makes makes sense, and if she is certainly smart enough to learn quickly, and uh, he's patient with her as as a teacher and considers it high priority, that she would make quick progress makes sense, yeah. and it's nice to see. Yeah. Um. I'm not going to lie for a second. I thought we were going to get a little My Cousin Vinny thing where she, like, drops some hint and, like, he solves the case. But, no, he <laughs> found, he saw the picture. It was just, yeah, that was like, so precious. She, she's going to look at one of the diagrams in the book. It's like, oh, I saw tracks like that. They belong to an 87 Pontiac. <laughs> before they put him to force a engine. So everything with Samwell can directly oh, re- relate to a Ralph Macchio movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the Karate Kid. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's a uh, it's a fantasy library, so of course there's a forbidden section that he's playing. Yeah, out there. of course. We get uh, the stuff that he wants is yeah, mm-hmm. and we get uh, our first introduction so to the Grand Meisters, Jim Broadbent, which was great. Yeah, he's so good. I love that because first <laughs> of all, the fact that he just sort of effortlessly believes him is great. Yeah, but that Hilarious he has even. it's it's such a there's so much great nuance in this episode um, where we have this perfect nuance of this idea. Okay, I'm saying a lot of words without saying the real I, the, <laughs> the perspective that is simultaneously completely sensible makes perfect sense for what his mindset would be and would ordinarily be a very excellent perspective to have on the world and yet we know is wrong in this particular case. Um, well, well, we suspect it's wrong. Yeah. That's my question. Totally right. Do you guys think that he was like sincere in it doesn't matter or that he was saying it doesn't matter knowing full well what Samuel was going to do? Hmm. I I'm thinking about it. I would it think he would be it, wise enough thinking, to know Sam's going to go straight in there. Yeah, <laughs> but he's did he so want him perceptive to... that I think it's kind of like, oh no, don't go in the restricted section. That's not important. By the way, I'm um, not going to pay attention and and not follow up and make sure that you don't actually do this. <laughs> yeah, it just I don't know. Felt a little like. Mm. But I mean, I where's the harm? That's the thing that I didn't understand is, okay, so only maesters can see it. Well, he's there. He believes this thing. I don't know. Maybe Nettie's onto something with that or somewhere in between there where there's enough shit going on that he's just not going to fight this kid that just wants to read more about White Walkers when he believes that White Walkers are also coming. Like well, he's but, following the rules, but he's not enforcing them. But here's the thing. He's in charge. He could yes. just give Sam permission. True. Why would he? Why would he mess around with with making him break the rules like that? I don't feel yeah. like so he that. Didn't give a Dumbledore wing. You might be right. It might be. Yeah. It might be something like that. We might get a reveal 
that, oh yeah, well, I knew all along that you were going to do it. And if that happens, honestly, I'm going to kind of roll my eyes. I'll be happy that Sam's not in trouble, but just in the sense of, well, What's the big deal? Dude, just give him permission then. <laughs> if it's, if right. it's actually yeah. okay with you, you're going to teach him the lesson that it's actually okay if you break the rules. That's not like, I, I feel like if he was actually okay with it, then saying this is a special circumstance, I would like your permission, please, to enter the restricted section, even though I know it's a breach of the normal protocol. Like, why would the answer to that be no, but the answer to, oh, you stole books and took them out of the library and showed them to all sorts of other people in an uncontrolled environment directly against my specific instructions, that's fine. What do you think, Chooch? <laughs> what are your thoughts, Chooch? My initial, upon watching it, was uh, that, yeah, he wouldn't, he, he would fi figure out what Sam was going to do. But I don't know. I, I, I've got a lot of questions because why are those books restricted? You know, it just seems like some history book with some maps. Is it because it's, it's old and it could get destroyed? Or is it actually dangerous knowledge? Like what kind of dangerous well, things could they possibly have in there? I will say that in the hands of the fandom, the close-ups on those pages have indeed been, been <laughs> um, like a goldmine of information. There's some people zooming in and reading the text from over, you know, that shot over Sam's shoulder. And I'm not going to mention any of those either. Y'all can go look those up because I think we're talking in spoiler territory. But I mean... I don't know. I think the whole thing was maybe just a way to make sure we got a peek at those pages and we could see that there was actually some good knowledge out there mm -hmm. that we, that we have seen with our own eyes, the effect of dragon glass and such. I think if he's discovered, he will definitely get in serious trouble. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm worried <laughs> for him on that um, score. Um, the thing because part of the reason I, I'm I'm skeptical too that it's uh, you know it's sort of a wink wink thing like maybe I'll be wrong and like I don't I'm not going to be mad if that happens or anything but the, what I thought was kind of interesting was that he presented a worldview very different from what anyone else on the show has had, mm -hmm. which is to say we're looking at this in the long term and the way we have survived as an organization that helps civilization uh, that helps humans be more than animals is right. by having rules and doing things a certain way. And that means not making an exception, even in a special circumstance. And it's because that's how we persist yeah. through all of these changes is by, we have our way of doing things and you have to do it that way. And so that's why it makes like, I feel like the idea that he's actually, but wink, wink, I'm not I know you're going to do it anyway. I feel like that's kind of against the I, whole worldview. I yeah. think for me, and well, I, I can't okay, remember. So, <laughs> so go ahead, I, I don't know if he's aware that Sam's going to go and do these things, but I also think that if he does, He's, if it's found out, he's not going to let Sam get away with it. Like if other people know that Sam has gone in the library or if Sam sees him in the, you know, like if it's obvious, I think he will punish Sam. But I think if there, there is a possibility that he's turning a blind eye and not wanting to catch him, 
but if he catches him, he will throw the book at him. Like it's, it's one of those, I don't think you should be doing this, but maybe you should, you know, it's like the, my, my, my job says you shouldn't, but my personal feelings think maybe you should, but if it comes down to it, I will punish you and I'll kick you right out. You will not become a maester, but I might be adding more nuance than is actually in the script. <laughs> so the thing that that struck me about that, you know, when he's talking and they're do, doing the autopsy, and then the maesters, the arch maester is just like, oh yeah, well there's this, and then there's that, and it's corroborated corroborated by separate parties, and yeah, that's probably true. You're probably telling the truth, mm -hmm. you know. And then, you know, the last time they came, we survived it. You know, the ever the winter always ends, and you know whatever. And so in his long view, I just don't think he gives a fuck honestly about whether or not he's in his own time not taking him away from any of his duties supporting the maesters and their efforts as long as he's not taking from that i don't think he really cares it's just like yep you're probably right and now clean this up because we've got more work to do you know what i mean and so i guess mm -hmm. i mean i i didn't really think about whether or not he'd get punished or anything it's just like if you're if you're gonna work on a project after work, then just don't get caught kind of a thing and just I gotta get back to this other thing going on over here now. Yeah. I mean that's kind of the impression. Yeah. I'm sorry. I had... I, yeah, it's just just one more thought before I forget mm -hmm. it. It's just that if he was so blase about the knowledge of the White Walkers, it doesn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if he was blase about about this guy that he believes is telling the truth and have the, has the best of intentions goes and looks and, and gets some books mm -hmm. on his own time. So, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off again. That's right. It's just because, remember, like, one of the huge things for maesters in this world is that they are essentially attempting to be completely neutral, sort of, right? right. Like, the yeah. idea is yeah. it's almost like the Night's Watch in the sense that wherever you get assigned, you are going to serve that place, mm -hmm. regardless of any other kind of loyalty it's like maester lewin serving theon after theon took over winterfell yeah. right, right? Yep. um uh the or uh, am i do i have that right it, you do and it yep, also ramsey did the same thing yeah. too but, so yeah right but so the point the, the point being that um that is one of the huge things about the way maesters work and it's critical it is mm -hmm. inseparable from their whole identity as an organization because the whole idea is to say, first of all, it's valuable for anyone to have this knowledge that they can provide, but also they have to stay out of politics or else they will get destroyed when there's a war. So yeah. the only way they can ensure that that doesn't happen is by essentially being on everybody's side and saying, look, we are helping everybody. We are not political. We are not siding with them over them. So don't burn us down in your war. And that is how we will remain a force of civilization in the world. Mm -hmm. And so in that same mindset, I think what's tripping up the Archmaester in this particular case is that that worldview has served him well for his entire life and for all of the history that he is aware of. Mm -hmm. But what we know is that this actual thing that's coming probably is some level of existential threat mm -hmm. of a level that's beyond what he any of his examples are. Predates mm -hmm. their history. 
Yeah. Yeah. Now, on the one hand, it's like it's fine to say, okay, well, the last time there was the, you know, the the long night, it like it did end and here we are. Yeah. But it's also kind of like yeah, yeah, but how many people died that might not have died if they were better prepared? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. You know, if if the night but, king uh, takes over a keep, then they'll just send his DMs instead and <laughs> yeah, they'll keep rolling along. Hey, don't slaughter us. <laughs> yeah. You think the night we king take would no use dead ravens? <laughs> yeah. Sheriff Bullock can take no part. Oh, go ahead. Right. <laughs> sure, if we go ahead, too great. Um, he'll literally throw the book at him. Um, <laughs> and Leslie Nope was right. Libraries are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Paulette had the pretty kind of the same thing I was thinking that if Sam does get caught, you know, maybe he'll just kick him out and give him a shitty post up north as a punishment. Uh, oh, yeah. Maybe yeah. at the wall. <laughs> yeah, but that's his goal now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but like, but he's not a maester yet, right? Like, I mean, yeah. I yeah. think he wants mm-hmm. he wants right. to be able to send intelligence up to to John while he continues to train to train to become an actual maester. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like uh, he doesn't want to get kicked out, but mm-hmm. um, at the same so time, he does get that nugget. Dragonstone yeah. is a mound of dragon glass. Yeah. I can't help but think, though, again, just when I tap into, like, the storytelling element, no way Sam doesn't get in trouble for, for taking the books yeah. out of the library. <laughs> oh, agreed. Agreed. He's, yeah. 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 Regardless of what is known and what is not, like, he's not that sly. <laughs> yeah. Now, the only other thing that I <laughs> wonder known. If, if it might tie into it is, is uh, okay, I should probably shouldn't because it's basically, it's another example of something that's in the books that might have would have happened already except that maybe it still is going to in the show you never know so i won't get into the details there but it's another possible story beat that they could have down there in old town um so that's a, a possible thing that could happen there's more story potentially to be told other than sam getting in trouble for taking the books out christiana um, does this have to do with a candle yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but the, also, yeah, of course, um, my mouth earlier. <laughs> the other, the other story element that we have um, to talk about, though, is uh, Jora has apparently uh, made his way to Old Town. <laughs> I was so excited. <laughs> not looking great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, his, it did start on his arm, and so you expect that. So at least he still talks normal and. Yeah, but if that's the arm he sticks out, that might be the good arm. Think about that, <laughs> right? You don't stick out yeah. your most wounded bits, you know. I also kind of wanted to. Uh, I feel like I would, if I was on, you know, I would take Jorah aside and just say, "Dude, if you if you want if you want people to talk to you and be nice and give you information that you're asking for, <laughs> maybe don't reach out your gross, contaminated, <laughs> contagious hand." And try to grab them as right. they just walk by to change your bowl and feed you. Well, Jor has always been a little melodramatic, though. Yeah. He's always striking so, those poses and things. Correct me if I'm wrong. We haven't seen in the show people with grayscale too far gone, correct? Only the people that attacked him and, uh, yeah. and gave it to him. Okay, so we did see that. 
Okay. Yeah, we saw the guys that gave him a grayscale, but then the other, yeah. I think the only other one we've seen was Shireen's, which was captured, yeah. caught, I guess, fairly yeah. young. So, and they kind of uh, cut that story thread without ever explaining how that uh, happened. But yeah. <laughs> so um, his aggressiveness could have to do with the grayscale. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's why they're true. all locked up. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. They're locked up. They're not just quarantined. That's like jail. Yeah. So that they can't hurt people and mm -hmm. spread disease. Yeah. Yeah, maybe make the little hole a little smaller then so you can't get a big old gun through it, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. well, I was still um, very excited. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, uh, it was one of those things, go find a cure and come back and it's like, yeah. off he goes. Although, uh, like, at the same time, like, I don't know where would be better exactly, but it doesn't seem like he's really on a good track to being right. cured right now. <laughs> no, no. Um, mm -hmm. it, it seems like he's in sort of palliative care with maybe the occasional experimental. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's try burning it off with acid and see if that right. works. <laughs> hey, maybe he could but, go, to, go to Kyburn and, and get like really oh, radical experiments. There you yeah. go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the other potential thing that's it's really interesting here, of course, is just that Sam knew uh, Gior, uh, Gior's father, and uh, mm. they could potentially yes. talk about that. That's true. Mm. From the uh, uh, before we leave her, Sam Bullock said, uh, Sheriff Bullock said, <laughs> I hope Gilly doesn't uh, pay the price for Sam's infraction, which hadn't. Oh, so, yeah, uh, that sounds like what'll happen. Yeah, yeah, she's a survivor, um, though, I think. Yeah, but she's allowed to be in Old Town, just not. Oh, well, she has like little Sam, right? too. Like, yeah, yeah, like, I, I think what I, I. I mean, I certainly hope she doesn't pay for his infraction, but I also am not sure why that would make more sense than just him getting kicked out. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, she's a woman and she touched books <laughs> and they're not even allowed in the same room. So I know that one, that one really uh, sassy guy scowled at her for even just walking into the waiting room. <laughs> she might that get her could... hormones all over the books. Yes. Now we better see that guy again. I know. <laughs> I feel like we almost have to because they showed him in the pre the recap and everything. Mm. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe on his way out. <laughs> I hope so. He was just it, it was just such a moment of just little random comedy. Yeah. Um yeah. but yeah, uh so some interesting stuff going on yeah. there. Um, but so here, here's just a question. Um, obviously we didn't see it happen directly, but I got the impression that as soon as he discovered that, uh, Dragonstone had all the dragon glass, the implication that was that he was going to send a Raven to John, like right. immediately. Yeah. He started writing it. Yeah. If he has so, access to Ravens. Well, but like, I got the impression that the show was trying yeah. to tell us that is going to happen right. and we don't right. have to wonder if it's going to happen that it was just like, Nope, that's, that's yep. a done thing. Check. I feel like if it was going to be an issue, like there was going to be something, some reason it would be difficult to send that message. I feel like they would have said that here, not right. waiting next well, time. Like, Oh, that message that we maybe yeah. kind of implied I was going to send right away. Too. Oh, well, I, if, any, if there's any way he's going to get caught, it would be trying to sneak big, thick, heavy books <laughs> in and out of the Citadel. I think he when, probably, I when think Sam Christian gets caught, when Sam gets caught, I want it to be him trying to bring the book back 
<laughs> that's what I want him to get caught. <laughs> I think you're right, Christiana, that he sent the raven right then because it was the fist of the first men that he didn't get the ravens out, and he certainly learned the price of not getting yeah. communication out. I feel like again, just from a, just from a you know a narrative storytelling element uh, angle, I feel like the, that's the implication that I think the show wanted us to have was that that message was going to get sent, mm -hmm. and we don't have to worry about it. Yeah, let's uh, head back somewhere. Somewhere snowing. <laughs> That's yeah. what I put because we don't have a location. But just we've got some really Hound great scenes with Beric Thoris and yeah. Sandor coming across yeah. an oddly familiar house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The uh some some good stuff there. And um it's interesting, first of all, that uh I you know, in my little, you know, one minute or whatever, um I I kind of speculated about Clegane Bowl um, and uh, the, you know, the idea that we might have Sandor finally fight Gregor. Yeah. Um, but the, the, I think that uh, it doesn't seem like it's happening it, it soon at any rate, because from everything that happens here, it seems like they would be headed towards the wall, which could lead to ver some very interesting stuff, but it's in opposite direction of where, uh, Gregor is at the moment. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some really interesting stuff happening uh, in this episode and not to, you know, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and jump ahead a little bit, but mm -hmm. the fact that we have uh, the hound see a vision from in the fire, like that's a big deal. Yeah. That to me was like my aha moment. It's, Okay, so Christiana's always talking about what is the Lord of Light because we know there's obvious magic there. And to me, when we see Sandor, the biggest skeptic in Westeros, yeah. who is deathly afraid of fire, the yeah. last person who should be getting visions in a fire, yeah. <laughs> he's a vision in the fire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's something serious. That's like, profound. I still don't know if Lol is a yeah. god is actually God or a god, but Lol is something serious. And I don't think mm -hmm. Lol is making things happen, but is definitely um trying to influence. Yeah. Like trying to get all the pieces there that that the Lord of Light, whatever Lord can possibly get there. Mm -hmm. And that to me, I was like. Okay, I'm paying attention. I am paying yeah. attention. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one thing, I, I, just as a little production detail, uh, I want to applaud the show's continued creative decision, which they originally made way back in season two, but just the decision that when a, we see a character having a vision in the fire, they don't try to show us what they're yeah. seeing. Yes. We just see the flames, and that is such a great choice. Yeah. I think it's it's more power it's far more powerful having the hound say what he's seeing in the way that he it's it's a nice wall it's the wall you know I mean that was that was it was really powerful and and like you said it makes you wonder is you know it I mean it's a song of ice and fire but I mean my god this is getting <laughs> really freaking when you've got the hound that is already you know he's with the sept yeah. 
and he's building that parish and now he's got this going on. It's like, where is he going to land? It's just going to be fascinating to watch his arc. Yeah. Well, and just have him, he's such a skeptical guy and have him literally thinking to himself, this is so stupid right up until he actually sees a yeah. vision. Yeah. Amazing. I even feel you, like you? he's seeing the vision <laughs> and he's like, this is so stupid. Why am I seeing this? Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, saying, seeing, yeah. I, I, I'm seeing it similar. I don't think, I don't think it's a God. I think there's definitely a stronger being just like, you know, well, I don't think, you know, the ice King is the devil or something, but yeah. I think they're definitely yeah, opposing forces. King. Or ice king. <laughs> <laughs> adventure time. It's not the ice king, baby. <laughs> but adventure time's back. Um, so, but so, so I'm thinking this kind of along the lines of Christiana's original way back when with the dragons. Um, we have Melisandre getting unreliable visions. You know, she let she feels she let Stannis down, or you know, the vision didn't come true. It wasn't right. And I see it as mm-hmm. you're going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. It's trying to get everybody to the wall to take on the Night King. And so she got unreliable unreliable visions because she was doing the wrong thing, going the wrong direction. Well, and just because you get a vision doesn't mean that you can interpret it 100% correctly. And I think that maybe either this was, I don't think it was, I don't know, maybe that was the plan all along was to get Stannis to get there. And this is how Lol did it. But I mean, to assume that Melisandre, who's clearly powerful, she's clearly very, very powerful priestess, um, it's possible she just misinterpreted it because of the things that lined up the way they did earlier on. She just made excuses for them to be true later. Speaking of Melisandre, yeah. what's she up to right now? Uh, yeah. I also think was... that, you know... Was the last time we saw Melisandre when she took off the necklace and she was four thousand years old or whatever? No, that was uh, that was bef- yeah. that was when um, that was before when uh, John came back. Yeah, I think they, John they came back her. was the last time we saw her. They banished her, didn't they? Send her away for uh, infant- infanticide for killing Shireen. I, I can't remember for sure, but I, that, that sounds, sounds right. Familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. About the visions, um, I think like Relor sends the visions, but it's not fixed. This isn't fate. It, it Relor sends a possible outcome, and when, for instance, Melisandre doesn't interpret it properly, that's when it fails. Like she has to find the right steps yeah. to make well, that happen. I think what might turn out to be crucial in these visions is that the visions might always be the Lord of light saying, this is what I want you to do. But that does Mm -hmm. not in any way mean that it is going to be what is in your personal best interest. Mm Oh, absolutely. Um, Like for example, leading um, Stannis up to the wall provided crucial assistance to the night's watch at a moment where all could have been lost. And after that, so what? He's dead. The job, his job was complete. Uh, yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. And no, he, I you agree. Know, so the, yeah. <laughs> and just because Valor's trying to get these things in place doesn't mean that they're the right things to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, I still don't know that we know Valor's motivations. Yeah. The fact that he 
seems to actually respond to people being burned alive in in his name does not endear us to him. <laughs> mm, yeah. Although it'd be really well, funny if, like, at the end we find out, I never wanted you to burn a single person. Yeah. That's why yeah. your visions were screwing up. Well, and has burning people? Has it been from <laughs> burning people? Because he burned the priest at Dragon at Dragon uh, Stone, and he burned Shireen. Yeah. And nothing good came from it. But when they did the blood magic with the king's blood and the drips in the fire, I oh, want these just... three kings gone: Joffrey and Rob yeah. and. I can't remember who well, the third one they was. never really do establish whether that was there's actual causality there. Well, of course, but, yeah, that that's yeah. like proving a miracle is always correlation, not causation. Yeah. Well, but for example, Melisandre Shadow Baby uh, killing um, Renly. Uh, Renly, yeah, I mean, like that's yeah. unambiguous in the sense that like that actually happened, right? Totally. Um, so. But uh, yeah, and well, and also just literally people coming back from the dead, like that's. Hmm. But, you know, and it just goes to um, the Hound's question to Dondarian. And this one is just like, why would they keep bringing you back? <laughs> right. Like, what? what's so special about you? Why Why keep bringing you back? Like, that? Does, what does it even make sense? It doesn't even seem like you're really enjoying it anymore. Yeah. Well, I guess as long I, as someone's love, saying the words. I love that Beric is like, yeah, I got no clue. I don't deserve to be brought back. <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah. um, All right. Some dragon stone. Mm -hmm. Was anybody mm -hmm. weepy, by the way, at the skeletons? Anybody yeah. like tore up? Well, you know, I mean, I, I feel like it, it, it was interesting. I wasn't so much weepy as much as it was, you know, it was kind of just the the closure on what was very likely to happen, even at, you know, at the time we suspected that was most likely outcome. Right. So it was like, you know, it's, I, yeah. yeah. I like that Sandor had to face it. Like yeah. Sandor's like, yeah, they're going to be dead before winter comes. We don't have to worry. They're going to be dead no matter what. And then he has to come back and actually face it. Mm -hmm. It, it makes me think of, you know, when people are in recovery and they have to make amends and this yeah. is, he is being, he is being forced to make amends, even though these people have passed. Yeah. So here's some um, fun ideas uh, as they head north. They're pr presumably heading for the wall, but um, if they were to stop at uh, Winterfell, he would see Sansa again. <laughs> First time in a while. Pretty please. Pretty, 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 pretty. <laughs> that would be interesting. Uh. <laughs> they both changed so much. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, when you guys talked about Winterfell, like, did you talk about the fact that Sansa was comparing John to Joffrey? <laughs> and that just plays into my really, I don't want that theory to be true. True. Uh, what there is that I, I that yeah, sounds like John saying? might get married. Oh, I okay. I hadn't heard. <laughs> I know. Gross. I told you I don't like this theory. It popped my head last Well, what like, we did talk about. Don't go there. What we did talk about earlier is how there are a lot of bananas theories out there yeah. on the internet that don't. They seem like real stretches that are yeah. not actually based on any information that's actually in the show. 
Yeah. It's We've just been sticking to the show itself and trying to avoid <laughs> that that speculation since it could end up being spoilers. It, it's like I saw someone saying that Brand's vision of the uh, the the dead army in this one is like, well, what if it's in the future and it's actually south of the wall? And I'm like, well, based on what? Why can't it just be they're coming and they're north of the yeah. wall right now? I mean, like, why why does it have to be any more complicated than that? Yeah. Ooh, like, what what possible narrative? Like, if they don't communicate that yeah. to us in the episode, then yeah. what does it even matter? Especially when Sandor then confirms he sees the wall and the fire, and then he sees at a mountain with an in the shape yeah. of an arrow or something. He sees them. So yeah, yeah. it's just. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I don't I want to think about me. any more incest. Let's yeah. just purge yeah. the realm of it. <laughs> that was the John time. Uh, they're not going to get married. That's a dumb theory. <laughs> <laughs> You're denied. Nope, not happening. So, uh, Danny reaching home. Yeah. Yeah. Touching <laughs> that soil for the first time. Well, well, not yeah. The first time she was born. Well, yeah. Yeah, so technically she, you know, was there as a baby, but not since then. So this was the scene that I mentioned earlier when we were talking about, you know, the rumor that they may make next season's episodes feature length, film length or whatever. Um, this was the scene I was talking about where I went back and I looked and from the time they show her approaching Dragonstorm to when she says that last line that I'm going to save until the end because it's so goosebumpy. But it was like almost three minutes and 30 seconds. And, you know, in talking about gratitude that they extend the show a couple minutes here and a couple minutes there i cannot imagine and and chooch probably you had to be laughing at me because i'm just crying because in all of my fantasies imaginings of danny coming back to westeros it did not occur to me that she would go to dragonstone first i thought she would go straight to king's landing and handle business or she'd come in from um you know the iron throne area and she would just work her way down but so I never even thought about, ooh, Danny's going to go to to Dragonstone someday. So to see them spend almost three minutes and 30 seconds on this thing that I never even anticipated, and it was beautiful. I mean, it was just stunning shots that they did and powerful and emotional and, and the dragons everywhere. And you could see the black earth and everything like that and the cliffs. And it was it was probably some of the most powerful footage that they've shown me that didn't involve someone dying, someone getting raped, mm -hmm. you know, or something really, it was just such a poignant and beautiful. And so they spent all that time in it, but then they let you know that she's not fucking around. This isn't vacation time as she's, you know, visiting these places. She's, she's there to work. And it was that kick ass so, throne. And oh my God, that, to the situation room. That, that's a throne. great throne. Oh, yeah. oh well, dragon glass. Is the throne made of dragon glass? Uh, I didn't get that impression necessarily, but it could be. Um, that was my guess. Uh, I did like that whole bit where it was obviously sort of leading us to maybe an expectation that she was going to sit down, but no, she kept moving and go went to this map room instead. And I said, yes, that's that. I like that choice. Yeah, um, me too. One of the things that occurred to me with this sequence, though, is one of, one of the things I've been learning about in uh, my Imp uh, musical improv 101 class is the difference between a scene being representational and being presentational. And the difference is that when it, a scene is being representational, it's like you're, you're, 
even though obviously you're on a stage in your front in front of an audience, you are trying to have your scene be as much like a real something something real happening, like two people really in their living room having a conversation or really driving a car or whatever, and you are playing the scene as though that is really happening and that's representational. Presentational is where it is obvious within the scene this is a show of a scene and so for example in a in a musical element it would be you could even have a representational song in a musical where the character is maybe you know like you have the two characters singing to each other but they're still very much in the setting um and they're expressing themselves in song but it's still presented as in the moment or you could have a sequence where you bring out the dancers and it's set changes and blah, 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 and everyone's in sparkly outfits all of a sudden, and that's presentational, right? So where it ties back to the show is that I think both the montage with Sam and then this final sequence are examples of where the show kind of switched to being presentational a little bit, where the way they're showing us something becomes part of what they're trying to show us as opposed to just having scenes. Mm -hmm. Right. So the fact that they have this long shot, um, you know, long um, sequence where we're seeing all these different areas and there's no dialogue until that last line, like that's, that's a show thing, right? Like if they were trying to be complete verisimilitude or anything, it doesn't make any sense that nobody would say anything during that whole time. Right. Like that just, that's not how it would really play or really happen. But as a show thing, building to the impact of having spent so much time with no dialogue and then finishing the way they do, like that's a presentational thing. And it just, it was something I was thinking about since it came up in class. And so like the montage is the same thing is that using the way they're communicating the information as being part of what's being communicated. It's powerful. <laughs> yeah. Did that make sense? Was I just rambling yeah. there? For no, I think that makes sense. Makes sense. Absolutely. <laughs> you want to give us the line, Viv? I was googling what the um, throne is made of. Sorry. Oh. Um, <laughs> shall we begin? Isn't that what she says? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And standing at that big map table. And so this was, again, it was the second map. So uh, I mentioned earlier, uh, Nani, that uh, my tweet after the episode was uh, season seven, episode one, impractical maps and empty castles. <laughs> because there's yeah. so many. It's like, you know, the, the twins being empty now that all the phrase yeah. are dead, all the wall uh, castle, empty castles along the wall that need to be filled. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Dragonstone. Uh, being empty and even the red keep, even though we see, you know, like Jamie and Cersei there, like it, you know, kind of feels kind of empty because it's, you know, the kids are gone and, you know, it's just them now, that sort of thing. Anyway, that's what I was thinking, the theme and all. Well, I did find out that the name of the room, we keep talking about that giant map table and it's called the Chamber of the Painted Table. And it was the one Eris used when he was planning his conqueror of, um, Westeros. Mm, cool. I vaguely feel like we we got told that in the show back in season two or yeah, something. I think so. Like like uh, Stan so. says something about having the table brought in. I think. Yeah. Ah. Uh, um. Cool. 
Oh, I keep, I keep, we, I know we moved past the stuff with Sandor, but, uh, or, you know, the hound, but I, I wanted to, I just, I'm going to forget if I don't say it now. So the bit that I thought was an interesting, perhaps prediction of what's going to happen, uh, based on, you know, narrative clues is, uh, at one point when we have Littlefinger and Sansa looking down at Brienne fighting, or actually she's not fighting anymore at that point. She's arguing with Tormund, but um, specifically referring to, oh, she's impressive, isn't she? She beat the Hound in single combat. And now we have the Hound going north. So I bet you they can have those two uh, see each other again. They didn't really leave each other on good terms at the <laughs> last time they saw each other. So. And yet... Think how protective both of them are of Sansa. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. How could that not happen? And Arya, too, <laughs> though. I'll yeah. have my popcorn ready <laughs> for that. <laughs> so, I, sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to mention I'm so glad we didn't have to watch Daenerys climbing the stairs for the entire season. <laughs> those were some crazy long stairs and considering how long it took her to cross the desert like I'm so oh, glad God. we skipped that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be the whole season. Yeah. oh my gosh <laughs> and the last thing with the, the situation room teal wolf says oh they need to wash that table first <laughs> ew they do yeah. Stannis and Melisandre you don't Ew. know what, who's done what on a table. Shadow babies were made. That's not it. Well, it would be hard to clean, too. It's got <laughs> such a complicated mm -hmm. shape with so many little ridges and yeah, stuff on it. Yeah, topography, geography. Oh. No way that table ever gets completely clean. Nope. Nope. Have any parting thoughts? Uh, are, we, are we talking about stuff that's in the little preview for next time? Because there's one particular sure. fraction of a second shot that's a big deal. Yeah, it's been aired. It's not a spoiler. And there's a bit where we seem to see Arya reacting to a direwolf that is not ghost. I Wait, know. There is? Yeah. I didn't Just get for previews. a fraction of a second. Just a little glimpse. Yeah. I didn't get previews, so I don't yeah. know. They may be faking us out, but holy cow. <laughs> I just... And I... Feels so good. <laughs> there was a glimpse of Valaria Sand, wasn't there? Um, maybe I I didn't catch every single like little it. shot, but that some one stuff moved done. fast. Yeah, <laughs> but it gave me hope that yeah. Dorn won't just yeah. be forgotten. No, <laughs> but yeah, there was a quick cut of what I mean. I suppose it could be a regular wolf, but it's definitely a not all white wolf. Yeah. Um, and we see it like in the forest kind of snarling. And I think it cuts directly to a, uh, a shot of Arya going like. <gasps> <laughs> so which dire wolves do we still have? We know that Shaggy Dog is gone. So we've got uh, Summer. What, no. Okay, Brands. Where's Brands? Summer. Summer? Did, Summer's, did Summer die at the. Uh, wait, at the uh, Summer, so, so, no, Summer's dead. That's Summer why I'm asking. I don't remember. Saving Brand. Uh, mm -hmm. When they were attacked at the tree, yeah, um, <sighs> Shaggy Dog was killed with by Rams. Well, yeah. yeah, but that and so that brought, just yep. and, and then Lady and Lady and well, and, and then Rob died too, didn't he? 
Yeah, oh, Rob's they he? they attached Rob's dog's head to his body, Grey Wind. Yeah. So that mm -hmm. leaves Nymeria and Ghost. Yep. That's well, it. and Is and Ghost Nymeria alive? has just really been missing all this. We haven't seen Ghost, yeah. but what Ghost hasn't I don't think was killed at any point. He just no. he got yeah. killed. He's just missing in action a lot. Killed? You I said he was, he was killed when they came to I thought that he was killed when they came to kill John. Or did they No, because he was there when he was resurrected. He woke up when John rest. Yeah, yeah. yeah that okay. was the key My that bad. John was coming back. Yeah, yeah. it's confusing though because they have him just not on screen a lot because of special effects. Yeah. 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 The cost um, of production. Don't yeah. work with dogs and babies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, that brings us to ratings. Yeah. Yep. Does anybody have a rating? Um, I'm going to give it. Um, oh, I, okay. I'm, I'm chickening out. Uh, nine out of 10, uh, restricted books. <laughs> Very nice. I'm going with 10, 10, one, one white walkers. <laughs> yeah. Or none. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have, um, 100 out of 100 dead male phrase. I fucking love the episode. I thought it was great. I can't wait for the next one. I have to come up with a new rating system. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they've just took my rating system. Meaner. Um, <laughs> I was going to go with poison. <coughs> Excuse me, poison phrase. Um, mm. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give it uh, ten out of ten. Tormund giggly looks. Oh. <laughs> I had um, I I, eyebrow felt, waggles. <laughs> I just felt complete joy watching this episode when mm. I watched it for the first time. After I finished it, I was like, yeah. And it's been a long time since I felt that. Yeah. So that gives us a 9.7 out of five out of 10. Sorry. Nine point yeah. Sorry, a 97.5. Yes. <laughs> or yeah, nine. I was only one not what perfect, I but I, you know, I, 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 I love the episode, but I kind of just, yeah. I, mm -hmm. I missed there not being a little yeah. bit more action, uh, you mm -hmm. know, or, or like real plot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, all the stuff we got was good, but think like other than Arya poisoning all the phrase at the beginning, what happened in this right. episode? Yeah, kind of old character development, really. Well, yeah. there was knowledge gained in certain places. I mean, yeah, there wasn't no, anything. Not, yeah, I gave it nine out of ten. If you'd let me finish, I was agreeing with you, though. I just didn't okay. get to that part yet. All right. Sure. I want, I want to be snarky and say that Christiana docked a point for a certain ginger. <laughs> oh, uh, no, you missed that conversation. She oh, no yeah, you missed the conversation. Oh, she doesn't know who he is. Okay, never mind. <laughs> oh um yeah i yeah i i only became aware of of him as an existing person through the controversy <laughs> you're talking about the singer i thought you were talking about torment and i was like oh no you don't you oh. the part where christiana are kind of right. creeped out by torment wait, at this point. <laughs> wait there's controversy about ed sheeran Oh, I yeah. only knew a whole bunch of person. people were really oh, yeah. on Twitter that decided they didn't like him having a cameo, and they were they said, they said things like, "Yeah, get get hope he gets gray stone." They just or gray scale. They said really mean things, and I don't know. 
I mean, oh, he deleted he deleted his. Yeah, well, I mean, it was. Yeah, I, I think, think he. Yeah, I think involved. he undeleted his Twitter. Yeah. His Twitter well, and he's taken but, social media breaks before, so apparently it's not a big deal. And he said, "Yeah, he but at the, 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 just the fact that anyone was mad is that's stupid." Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's one thing to say, "Okay, well, it, you know, if it briefly takes someone out of the scene, because like, oh, hey, isn't that that guy?" Like, I could see that, but like mild irritation is the maximum allowed reaction for that. Right. <laughs> Christiana <laughs> has ruled it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Nutty by I the way. Came, okay. Yeah. Um, well, Sheriff says what happens. Danny arrived in Westeros, but uh, she, she arrived in Dorne earlier. She just showed up at uh, Dragonstone. Now that's like, <laughs> she I, went I'm to not going to say back. it's not significant. I, it's, it's not that it's not significant. I just, it's, it's like, she could have just been at Dragonstone and like, and we wouldn't have like known that we missed the moment of her arriving. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. um, it's not a changed circumstance. Mm. It's meaningful for the character, but the circumstance is not fundamentally different. I think her being in Westeros changes a lot of alliances and allegiances potentially. But she was in Westeros at the end of last season. She was arriving at Westeros. And now she's arriving at a different place in Westeros. I guess. I I guess I didn't realize that she was already in Westeros. Yeah, I didn't realize she already landed. Well, okay. I guess technically they were on their way, but Varys had shown (laughs) up in Dorne and basically was. Oh, that was Dorne. Okay. See, I missed that that was Dorne. I didn't know where the hell they were. I thought that was Bravo. I I don't remember. I thought it was Bravo. (laughs) Varys gets around, Um, so I just don't know where he's popping up. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Am I misremembering? I thought that that's what happened at the end of last season is that. I definitely showed Varys there making deals, but he didn't intimate that Danny was anywhere near there. I well, thought that they were. I still... thought the implication, because we cut away from that to Danny and Tyrion and all of them on the ships, and I mm-hmm. had the direct impression that it's because oh. they are like en route to Dorne. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm. Okay. And it, so yeah, the I idea missed, that, like, that they were en route and now, uh, okay, I mean, like they had that scene in the recap. For this episode of them on the ship, I mean but, that it was Dorn. Yeah. I thought that it well, was okay. elsewhere. The That's fact what I that it was Dorn has nothing to do with it. My whole point is just we knew she was coming to Westeros, and now she's at Westeros is not a fundamentally plot, you know, significant plot development. She was mm-hmm. on her way, and now she's here, and nothing else happens except that she arrived. See what mm. I mean? Like, I, and again, I love the hey, episode. I'm, I am I'm agreeing with you, but I'm also disagreeing with you, and well, it's yeah. okay, and it's fine. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't think that's a, I don't think that counts as a plot development. Her having feelings about arriving at Dragonstone is perfectly in keeping with good character development, and I like the scene. I'm not complaining about the scene, but I'm also just saying that. I don't count that as a plot development because it's basically just her arriving at a setting and nothing happens there. Mm-hmm. We know what you yeah. mean. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get it. Got it. Totally get it. But next I think episode. this is a good tone to start the season. Yeah. I like, the, I, I mean, give it none. Yeah. Of, yeah. 
We rated it really high. And <laughs> it makes me very happy. I feel like I'm. I, I'm. Yeah. I, I almost feel We're like I, I'm, the, I'm the grump for giving it nine out of ten. <laughs> no, you're not the grump. We're just talking about it. Nobody. Damn, yeah. I'm not really. I'm not, but if you want to be the grump, you know, I think we're short one, and Chooch doesn't talk enough to be the, like the grump. Chooch, <laughs> what's the next episode? Um, episode two is titled Stormborn. Mm. Maybe something will happen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a storm will be born by the Stormborn yeah. one. Um, in well, terms of the dialogue. Oh, the ahead. dialogue we got in the preview seems to be mostly focused on the various other people other than Danny talking about how she's now in Westeros. Mm -hmm. And what are we going to do about it? Makes sense. You know, Robert, sense. maybe a direwolf. Send somebody to poison her. She may <laughs> have never showed up. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think it's all your that. fault, Robert. Yeah. Mm. I think that's going to wrap us for this week and this uh, premiere. Yeah. We will uh, can't wait for Sunday and see what next. What next? What's going to happen? And we hope you all join us Yay. next Thursday. I almost said on so many levels. That doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> on, on Beyond the Wall. But yes. thanks for listening and We'll talk Yay. to you next. Oh, time. well, we can, oh, we can yes. plug that. Just if anybody yeah. likes D&D, we have a, a live play D&D game called So Many Levels where Chooch and Viv are players in a game that I DM. And then uh, Nutty has just recently started. Uh, he's one of the players in another D&D game that I started playing, oh, Curse of Strahd. Which, I saw yeah. that. I didn't get episode a chance to watch it. Yeah, so episode three should be this Saturday. Yay. Cool. Yeah. And the first two episodes are in your So Many Levels feed. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, and uh, Tula Wolf and in the chat had, yeah. had called out. She liked the horns. And these are my tiefling horns for my So Many Levels character. <laughs> Gifted by Starla. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, thanks again. And we'll if you have feedback for the Beyond the Wall podcast, you can email us at btw at specficmedia.com. You can also leave us a comment on the website. Go to specficmedia.com where you'll find a shiny BTW button that'll take you right to our page. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Feel free to share and remix. Just give us credit and don't charge money for it.